<laughs> okay, one more time. All right. I'm April Margulies. And I'm Christopher Tompkins. And you're on the line with the Hype Busters. Welcome. Ready for some real talk on strategic communication? You're in the right place. For today is point and counterpoint, Chris. Since you're always right, do you want, do you want to introduce for listeners what we're going to be taking up sides on? Yes, it's something that we we've we've come into in the social media world quite a bit, which is why is not being on TikTok a huge mistake for businesses? Huge. Yeah, huge. <laughs> so. Obviously, I have really strong opinions on this one. Not all the way on the you should do it, guys. But what do you think when when you hear something like that? When you hear an absolute about TikTok? Well, first of all, any absolute cannot be applied across the board because not every audience is going to be on TikTok. So there are lots and lots of brands for whom their target audience is not primarily on TikTok. There might be a fragment of the target audience there. Yeah. Also, TikTok has a very strong identity mm-hmm. and it could be very off-brand, even if your target audiences are there to be on TikTok because of the nature of your brand essence and values and you know the way you present yourself. So I think that that blanket statement just there and alone is sensational and headline grabbing on purpose but not accurate (laughs) yes i agree it's completely not accurate but what i like about it is it's giving all companies an urgency to look at that platform and to think about the use of video in their overall strategy Mm -hmm. now when you're dealing with communicating with your target audience one of the things that people obviously use is the written word they'll use they'll use images well, obviously we all see that video is becoming a big, big proponent. And people are still thinking that Instagram is going to remain an image-based platform. It's not. So TikTok is an uncomfortable platform for many companies, but I think it's showing the importance that you really got to try to figure this out because if you don't have a video part of your overall marketing strategy and how you're telling the story of your brand, you're going to be screwed. Also, when you're going and using video, the algorithm of each one of these platforms greatly favors video content. So your ads are less expensive. You're getting more engagement and visibility and reach. So by not doing it, you're foregoing that to kind of stick in your pole in the ground and saying, I'm not doing this until I can see it's proven. Well, guess what? Everyone that's done that has to pay premiums on ads. They have to deal with lots of non-engagement saying, I don't know why social media doesn't work for me. This article to me was kind of just like, I want to share this with people. They're like, video doesn't matter. Video is going away. And that we've heard that video is the next big thing for a long time. Well, guess what? It is now. <laughs> it's, it's officially here. So do all brands need to be on TikTok? No. But I think that everyone needs to understand that you should start looking at these platforms and looking into uncomfortable mediums because you're going to have to become comfortable with them very quickly. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to do next? Are you ready for this week's Just the Tip segment? (sighs) Yes, I am. This week, we're tackling Zoom fatigue and how better to manage it. 
I mean, come on, do, do we think that we want everyone wanted to be on six to seven hours of Zoom calls in 2019? I mean, how many oh. Zoom calls did you have like in a day? Do you think, La Abe? Oh, last year? Like in 2019, before everything. Oh, oh, before everything. Oh God, like maybe once a day, probably more like three times a week, two mm -hmm. or three times a week. Yep. And now it's like, I've been on for almost six hours of Zoom right. calls today. And my clients are doing it too, just like yours are. How, Again, how are you dealing with Zoom fatigue? Because um, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Edibles? No, I, I think mostly <laughs> what I, what, I mean, it's taking time out and off of my computer. So what I will do is like, I'm currently at my physical office for our agency and I will turn everything off and either read something paper or I'll try to get away from screen. I'll walk around. I will do brainstorming on a whiteboard. That's kind of what I'm doing. Because okay. turning off my lights and turning off my camera, I'm still looking at a screen again. So I've been trying to right. break that. How about you? You know, I haven't found any successful techniques yet, but every once in a while, if it's an internal meeting and I can get by with it, I turn my camera off and just you know, take the Zoom call on my phone and use it as an opportunity to walk around the house and be away from my desk, you know, because I can pay more attention. Because ironically, because if you're at your desk, there's all these alerts flying at you. And it's, yeah. it's really difficult, you know, to, to focus sometimes. So I do that. I try not to take any video calls on Fridays as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Although I make exceptions for prospects and things like that, where it's, of course. you know, I've been thinking about having a video off day or a video off section of the day, but I don't quite know how to do that consistently because again, prospects, partners, you know, important team meetings. I sometimes also internal calls, I'll say, hey, can you just call my cell phone directly <laughs> as a way of just avoiding it altogether? You know, those are the tactics I've tried, but I do know that it's, you know, it's something really difficult about staring at yourself in a screen and being stuck in your chair and not able to move around because you're on video and everything you do is on video. So like, Oh, I have an itch and I don't want people to see I have an itch or, you know, Oh, I've got over it. I mean, when I started out, I was like, let's use a pretty cup and a pretty mug. Now it's like, here's my water jug. I'm going to be drinking out of this during the meeting. <laughs> you're over yeah, it. That's I think good. We've all relaxed a little bit. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Well, speaking of prospects, Justin Knapp is in the waiting room. Oh, great. Should I let him in? Yeah, great. Let him in. Cool. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Nice to see you. Nice to meet nice you, Justin. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you, man. We're super excited to have you on. So we actually spent an earlier podcast chatting a little bit about your concept because yeah. I just found it and we thought it was super interesting. And then Sweet. I said, oh, I should invite him on. If you don't mind giving the quick elevator pitch just Heck yeah, for, yeah. for listeners who haven't heard it from you and then and maybe just chatting through where you guys are at in your marketing life cycle and what that looks like for you. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, Space Together is an online platform that matches underused or underavailable space with local renters. So if you're a church, gym, dance studio, kitchen, and you have availability in your space, which most commercial owners do, 
we have a matchmaking algorithm that bases the availability of your space on its functionality, its location, its the duration of time it's available. And then you're matched with a matchmaking algorithm to local renters in your area. So it's a great way to add an additional revenue stream to your organization by helping someone in your local community either get started in whatever they've wanted to do or sustain something they're already working on. Very cool. And where did this idea come from? Yeah, so, so my wife and I pastor a church in Colorado Springs, and awesome. um, we have since we were, you know, 19. And uh, I had a really awesome mentor. He was uh, definitely a big time entrepreneur, uh, had a multi-million dollar business by the time he was like 29 and uh, gave a lot of that up and went into church planting and kind of went into ministry, which is a lot like entrepreneurial work. Like planting a church is so similar to starting a business in a lot of ways. I was 19 and he just said, I want you to start your own thing and I'm just going to nurture that and help you. And after about six years of that, uh, my mentor comes up to me one day and he's just like, hey, you have three months to get out of my building and I'm not going to give you any cash. I'm not. It's just like, here you go. Uh, hope you guys make nice. it. And uh, he was laughing while he said it. You know, it was insane. And, and that's that wasn't like a huge surprise from this guy. Like he's definitely one of those guys. And so we live in Colorado Springs. You know, the real estate market here has been one of the hottest in the nation for like the past decade. And so we put our maximum budget in the MLS and came back with like 14 locations and they were all office spaces. Like none of them would have done anything that we needed to do. So that was kind of the first step. You know, I didn't even own a laptop at the time. So I'm like 35 pages deep in Google trying to find like the commercial Airbnb. And I knew that there had to be one. I knew that there had to be some way that people were sharing space. I just couldn't find it. So I found all these ways to, to rent, you know, an office or a warehouse or uh, to, you know, do a one-time event. But I needed a place where I could come in and grow and sustain my business for an extended period of time. And I only needed eight hours a week. I didn't, I didn't want a building that I was going to have to pay for all the time and a huge escalating lease. And then you think about, you know, chairs inside these churches, each one of those things is like $200 for one chair. And then you think sound systems, and then you think everything that goes into one of these organizations. And I knew when I can see all these churches all around my city that are empty. And I know that every Sunday morning, there is a pastor standing up telling everybody how they need more money for this or that. And so I just thought there has to be some way that people are doing this. So we go the traditional route. We found a lady that she had had a traumatic brain injury. Her husband had been diagnosed with cancer and they were $10,000 behind on their commercial rental payment. And so we ended up taking that building over from that lady. So me and my wife are personally guaranteeing this five-year, you know, six-figure lease that we had no idea how we were going to pay or how we were going to do, uh, but we needed the building to do what we wanted to do and what we needed to do. So we get in. We renovate everything. We try to make it as pretty as we possibly can. After we get done with all of that, spend a bunch of money, you know, kind of put ourselves on the line for a lot. We realized that we were never there. You know, we had maybe two services in a week, you know, band practice and like maybe a meeting. And the rest of the time, this building that I had just stressed over and fought for, and we were never there. And it was like 80% of our budget almost. Mm. And it just made no sense. And so that was really when we had the first thought of, in, in the same way that, you know, co-working spaces and shared desk sites have done so much for freelancers and startup teams and anyone that works remote, they've changed the game for those folks. In the exact same way, there are thousands of chefs and instructors and pastors that have the exact same need. They just don't need a desk. And so at the time, the only platform that we could actually find that allowed us to do that was Craigslist. 
within three months, we had 65% of our overhead covered by people using our facility when we weren't there. And it was incredible. It was all sorts of different. We had an Armenian church. We had a Hispanic church. Uh, we had two other church plants. Uh, we had a synagogue that met on Saturday mornings. We had a, a real estate company that got their entire start in our office building. We had wow. MLMs and homework help for teens. And when you would drive past our facility all the time, you knew that it was impacting our community. That was really, I think, whenever we, we realized, like, if nobody's doing this, then we should start something yeah, no, and it's really, I mean, mm. I guess with building a church too, you have to have the congregation before you have the money, but how do you have a congregation before you have the space? It's very similar to what small business owners face when they first get started as well. I mean, for a lot of these folks, you have to have a facility to do what you offer to the community and whatever that product is you're selling. And obviously that's changing a good bit, but it's still something that we face a lot. You have to sign this crazy commercial lease with a business that's just getting off the ground super stressful it's such so a so where is your business now um you know uh, yeah. I mean, just like just in the in present time yeah no doubt so uh that was 2017 uh our first year we kind of just built the mvp and raised a little bit of friends and family uh we then pitched at a, a showcase in colorado springs and we didn't know it at the time but one of our advisors had brought a group of investors there um, after that, we raised half a million dollars, and that's when we really began to throttle. We now have over 20,000 users. We're at about 2.5 million square feet active on the platform. In all of 2019, our growth rate doubled and tripled every quarter. I uh, had a lead investor lined up, and then February 2020 hits, and it was COVID. And, you know, the nature of our business is sharing space. You know, doing a startup and generating that much momentum and raising cash and all those things is such a grind, and it is all-consuming. And the people that are on your team, whether they're founders or they're just early employees, it is a grind for everybody. And, um, and it was at that time that we realized that we were not going to be able to kind of stay in our two-sided marketplace play. But what we did um, is we switched our business model to more of an enterprise offering. So now we license the availability of our software to huge organizations that manage a ton of properties. It was definitely something that we were just kind of swinging for the fence, like, man, we're not totally sure how we're going to do this. Um, and we were able to land our first client in July of 2020. And with that one signing and with the new business model, it was an over 200% increase to our inventory. It was a crazy increase to our bottom line. And so in a weird way, COVID actually kind of led us into sort of our new business model. And so we still do a lot of the two-sided marketplace play where we have a lot of renters that apply mm. and individual users that sign up. Uh, but we also sell our software now to really large organizations. Super smart. Mm. So what's next? Right now, it's basically just like full blown into the pivot. So we were a two-sided marketplace. And so for everybody that has any idea of all those different things, like when you're throwing all the ad volume out, and it's just a ton of ad spend. And it's really like farming. And you're trying to get out and make sure that your ads have like the lowest possible cost of acquisition, the lowest cost per lead. And when you get really good at that, then you start seeing all the conversions come in in this big funnel. And when we shifted our business model, it really changed everything because it turned us more into like hunting, you know, now we're going after like, this is the proper client. This is the right guy. And so now we've just been growing our team. We got accepted into an accelerator. That's a 12 month program. We have our demo day with them in October, but the number one thing for me and my job has been really just recruiting new talent and replacing our team and really kind of just getting ready and bolstering the squad so that we can just kind of go after this new business model, you know, and not uh, have so much just ad revenue, but a lot more just like really strengthen Salesforce and make sure that our development team is on top as well. So it's been a lot of recruiting, a lot of hiring and just retooling for just through the pivot. 
Are you still doing your church in the middle of all this? I am, but it's really nice. my wife. I mean, she is okay. she is the one doing the majority of all that now. If I'm being honest, I mean, she's she's pretty tough. So I still help, but Space Together came in and <laughs> took a lot over. of the time yeah. we had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Well, excellent. I mean, it sounds like really exciting times, Justin. How can people find out more about your company and what you're doing? Yeah, you definitely go to spacetogether.com. Check us out on any of the social feeds. So Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, we have an amazing content writer, Becca, and she puts out a lot of content, just really trying to help, you know, different people in this time and how we can do that. So yeah, lots of content, lots of blogs and uh, check out the site. That's excellent. Very cool. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining us. It was really great learning a little bit more about uh, kind of how you've evolved the business, especially during these really uncertain times, et cetera. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much again for your time. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Justin. It was nice meeting you. All right, thanks, guys. See ya. Take care. Very interesting story. Yes. Okay, Chris. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our cash or trash of the day is about Instagram testing new banners, reminding people to use dot, 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 Facebook. <laughs> okay, number one, I just want to point out <laughs> your um, loathsome pronunciation of the word banner. Um, I thought that that was probably my favorite part of the segment so far, and we've just started it. Yeah, so Instagram is saying, hey, do you remember Facebook? Remember that old girl? We thought we put her out back and put her in the backyard and shot her. But no, still kicking. <laughs> it's so funny because when I read this, the first thing I thought of is when's the last time, April, that you've actually gone on Facebook, number one, but I'll go on Facebook and then just look at the stories on Facebook. Okay. Last time I went on Facebook was last week to send a message to somebody that I only knew how to contact through Facebook. Yes. Okay. And found, I saw the preview of what people were posting and immediately had an allergic reaction. And I don't even remember what I saw other than having the allergic reaction and then getting off. It's funny because I have the same thing because one of the other thing they do, <laughs> I don't go there very often either. I only go there for the same reason because there's a certain contingent of people that feel that that's still like a great yeah. way, a way of communicating. And that's how they do, right? Especially older people and things like this. Like yeah. that's how you communicate and- Totally fine. Um, I mean, I we, we still market on Facebook for our clients, but- it's it, when I see the memories, the first thing I always think is it's like, I immediately look at it and say, I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> Every single thing I look at, I'm like, I'm not that person. That's not me anymore. That doesn't even give me fond memories. It's just like, I, that's not me anymore. Right. And I really feel like that's how that platform is. Yeah. So in order to get people to get back in the fold and the warm, warm embrace of an ice cold Facebook hug. Instagram <laughs> is trying to uh, give people a little boost by putting a little banner saying, hey, remember Facebook? Still over there like Aunt Myrtle dropping into your DMs with some weird questions and misspelled words. So yeah, um, I hate this just because <laughs> I think that Instagram should really kind of like, I don't want to say like, just stop mentioning Facebook so much. But I just feel like it makes Instagram with the stank of Facebook a little bit. It makes Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it definitely got a got a Facebook fart all over it. Yeah, because we know that they're trying to get all of the messaging platforms that they're they're there and WhatsApp and create this like mega messaging platform. Right. And 
see that worries me a little bit because I, when I get a Facebook message, I'm ignoring it immediately for at least a few days until like I have no notifications on my phone. I'm like, yeah, what's on the messenger? It's usually nothing pressing, but yeah, I hate it. It's always like people that I knew once upon a time in high school or college, and they've now like got some Ponzi scheme thing happening. It's like, it's like, it's like a Mary Kay off. Gotta be a Ponzi scheme. It's always like, hey do you want to get involved with oh, I don't even know it's always some strange like do you want to sell makeup or do you want to help me sell makeup or I don't know heard you like Tupperware I don't know where you heard that um yeah I think that that they're testing this I don't even think this needs to be a story I would not I would like try to be like shh how did it get out? Let's see. Well, what they always do is they they beta test stuff. So they they have a handful of people that are getting it. And so someone saw it, took a screenshot of it and shared it. That's it's usually uh, how this yeah, happens. I see. I don't really see use of it. I think it's a little confusing. I think it's platform confusion, especially because Instagram, like I mentioned earlier, is looking into video. So eh, I don't know. Bye. So trash. Trash all day long. Anytime I hear the word banner, I'm immediately want to trash it. <laughs> okay okay well let's do some breaking news that's not necessarily breaking but news that we think should be broken okay so our first news of the day is the seven pr trends in 2021 yeah the story so far so what are we looking at for the rest of the year we are squarely in the second half of 2021 which is horrifying and yeah. i'm already thinking about 2022 when i talk to people which is also horrifying but mm. here we are Okay, so PR trend number one, continued calls for progress in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Number two, internal communications takes the center stage. I guess those are interrelated, I would say, in a lot of cases. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I've definitely seen that where it's, okay, something happens and we need to say something externally and internally to show that we're on board with whatever diversity policy or whatever it is that you know that's come through or protecting a certain segment of the population so we've definitely worked on some things like that for clients i don't want to name names but where there was sort of an internal newsletter that we needed to work on and then mm. that was converted into an external message and then that was put out because there was an affiliation with a certain group that was being done to. And so there was a sort of a, a working massaging of both messaging. So I do think that that's going to continue to be an issue. Trend number three is brands getting involved on social. Shocker. This is a trend that I didn't see coming. <laughs> so the data from BuzzStream's index of Eight billion articles shows that social media engagement surrounding content has risen by 88% since 2016 and most prominently between the years of 2020 and 2021 with an uplift of 42%. So obviously that does not surprise you, Chris. No, it doesn't. And also all of the data collection points that they're doing got better and more accurate over the last two years. So obviously yep. there was going to be a big thrust. So that's a nerd guffaw on my part. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the, the continued progress in diversity, equity, inclusion is still a very tricky one, I think, for brands that aren't mm -hmm. already affiliated. This is something we've probably talked about before. I've definitely talked about before. If you don't have a track record of supporting social causes and or the social cause that you're putting your energy and brand behind is something po potentially divisive that's going to 
land mm -hmm. differently for your target audiences. I still think that you need to walk and tread very carefully around those things. Absolutely, because one of the other trends that's mentioned later in the article is speaking from the heart. And I think that still you can be authentic and speak from your heart, but you still have to tread lightly at the same time because there's, it's kind of, they're giving you lots of different messages as to what everyone needs to be doing right now to really kind of engage with their target audience. But internally when you're, I don't know, I'm glad that people right. are thinking about it. Right. Unless you know your target audience is squarely in camp A and that anything you say that could offend camp B doesn't matter because right. you only have a handful of them and that the upside for the business of supporting camp A is going to far surpass what would happen in negative effects of camp B's fallout. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I um, see that for sure. So anyway well also you know with the internal comms piece too i feel that everyone being so dispersed has made a lot of people open to a lot of these concepts that are in this article in particular and i do feel that i see a lot of these as not friends i feel that they are more thought pieces that i have to deal with more often when i'm dealing with clients because they're more open to these ideas. I don't necessarily feel that everyone's jumping on like to, to like, let's ride the train because I, I feel that the equality piece is really hard for a lot of companies, but I would liken it to the same sort of discomfort as TikTok and everyone must be on TikTok. And if you're a brand, figure it out. Like if you're not dealing with DEI, figure it out. It's not supposed to mean like drop everything and figure it out. It means that you should be paying attention to this because this is going to be coming an internal issue. It's going to be coming an external issue and how you're going to be telling your story to people. It's affecting how people are communicating. So if people are like saying TikTok video is one of the most powerful ways of engaging, well, also engaging with people in the language that they're speaking in this new reality is, is different. Right. So you have to be ready for it. I think brands now are feeling a little bit more confident in making those changes, but they're still not comfortable. I mean, come on. Even when we have to solve problems with communication with our companies and our clients, it's not like, boom, there's the answer. You know what I mean? You have to really sit and think about it mm -hmm. and then present that idea to someone who may feel really uncomfortable hearing it. But I like everyone's thinking about stuff. For sure. And they're waking up to the power of social media. Good for you. The other thing that they're waking up to, trend number four, which is training for the platform, which is getting used to the fact that everything is virtual. Like not everything, but there are a lot of virtual events happening now. There are a lot of virtual TV interviews, right? There's all these virtual presentations and mm. things like that. And I don't think that's going away, right? I think that's just the new reality. So mm -hmm. I would say it's a, sure it's a trend for 2021, but it's a trend for forever now. Yeah. And, and even like fam trips and things like that. I mean, we used to spend a fortune, you know, on behalf of clients flying reporters to whatever location mm -hmm. that they needed to get to. But I don't think that's going to go away for a lot of hospitality clients, especially yeah. you know, luxury resorts and things like that. Mm -hmm. But now there's AR and there's VR and there's ways to have them have an immersive experience and see how lux and, you know, ultra luxury and amazing something is mm -hmm. in 30 seconds or three minutes or maybe 30 minutes right rather than flying all the way to hawaii and 
experiencing the entire resort, you know? So mm -hmm. it might be the kind of thing where those travel journalists might suffer the most because <laughs> that used to be pretty awesome. Oh yeah. So yeah, that, sorry, that was not in there, but I just, I just pontificated. That's fine. It needed to be added. I'll call BuzzSumo afterwards and we can get an addendum. Perfect. PR trend number five, marketing and PR unite. I don't know if this is new to 2021. What do you think, Chris? I would say that I don't think it's new to 2021, but I think it's a concept that was baked in 2020 because I think that PR and marketing were both of the ones that had that oh crap moment where it was everything was like, yikes, what am I going to do? Everyone's pulling all their budgets. And I think that we started building relationships then mm -hmm. where we normally wouldn't really focus on the crossover. We'd be hyper-focused on our own areas. So I think that maybe this is kind of the bread finally being proofed and baked. And this is kind of the fruit of that relationship, possibly. I don't necessarily feel like it's going to be like, oh, now everyone's doing it. I think that we did it to survive and evolve, but maybe we're evolving now and that's why the trend's happening. I don't know, what do you think? Mm -hmm. That makes sense? I think I would actually argue that PR and marketing are blurring more. I don't know that this is great, right? What I mean by that is there's now a lot of PR that is advertorials and clients want that, not just PR. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of paid contributor networks and things like that where right. you get free bylines. And so is that PR still or is that marketing or sort of both or, you know, and there's a lot of like paid speaking opportunities at conferences mm -hmm. that used to be free and now aren't. And it feels like the number of earned media opportunities are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> Yeah, because I, all I of these, because marketing is sort of just slowly like taking over the other puzzle pieces. Well, I think it's the content being charged for. I, I think it's kind of like these media outlets are waking up to like they need to kind of find a new revenue stream, and the revenue stream is that. Right. But that kind of eats up. It's cannibalistic. It eats up the credibility for the other pieces that you can gain in that same That's outlet. Right. Yeah, I know. And even, I mean, now the affiliate links and things like that that are required if you're a consumer product and you're pitching earned media, mm -hmm. you get a lot more consideration if you have an affiliate link you can offer that has a high percentage, right? Mm -hmm. And suddenly you get a closer look. These are the kinds of things I'm watching carefully because to your point, PR and the main thing behind PR is the credibility building factor. And mm -hmm. that starts to get compromised. Then what happens to PR? Mm -hmm. And also, I think it'd be really interesting this holiday season. I think it'd be a good test, actually, for what you're saying, is to look at how the media reacts to lists and things over the holidays. I really do feel like they're going to be really extremely affiliate heavy or completely sponsored or purchased, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Okay. So moving on to the next trend, number six, an urgency Ooh. to innovate and make up for lost time. So it says in a lot of ways, it feels like we lost 2020. So there's been a lot of sense of PR teams trying to make up for lost time. I think that's true in certain sectors. I think it's not true at all for other companies that weren't as affected, you know, so I don't think that's necessarily as impactful of a trend. Um, and then to your point, Chris, from before the speaking from the heart. Mm. I think that that's true. I don't know if it's necessarily COVID inspired as much as it is just people tiring of companies saying things about themselves that, that aren't true and just having the salesy messaging that isn't coming from an authentic place. I mean, I think people are really craving that authenticity. Yeah. But you know what? I also 
can see another POV on this one. I think that 2020 was an extremely emotional year for some people more than others. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of brands thought business as usual to act like things aren't happening. And I think that that browned off a lot of people Mm -hmm. and it started to create kind of like a snowball effect in a way that people were like, this is all BS. This is not what's going on. This is not how I am. This is not how I'm feeling. No one understands me. I'm because I mean, come on, everyone got really into themselves during that time. Mm -hmm. So I think that people now are responding more to emotional angles. I personally always felt like they did. And it's nice to see more authentic things happen. But I do think all this authenticity is breeded out of necessity because I think people are tired of it. And I feel that this is going to bring on a trend of inauthentic authenticity that that is kind of almost like we see in politics in a way with brands. So I'm kind of hoping that it's not like, trust us, we're the best. Here's all of the things that you'll never look at that proved absolutely nothing, but we're saying it's going to prove something. I hope we're not getting there. Because I feel like a lot of slimy brands will do that just to be authentic. Like corn syrup, good for babies. You know what I mean? I I just, I'm interested to see how it's going to go. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't too. It'd be terrible. Well, they already have regulations on how you can do emotional pleas via advertising on social and other platforms. So they might still keep that regulation. And then I think we'll we'll be okay because they're going to have to back up claims. But you never know. Yeah, I mean, I think another trend that isn't on there that's interesting is safeguarding clients against the cancel culture and making sure Mm. that the executives who are being interviewed don't inadvertently say something that could get the entire brand canceled. Yeah, not the time I'd want to be a spokesperson, personally. So dangerous. You really have to be rehearsed within an inch of your life. Okay, I think that we covered it. Do you want to get into the the social news of the day? Oh my God, I'm like dying to. It did not sound convincing. No, I'm dying to. No, you're not. I'm kind of dying to. Um, <laughs> that, see, that was authentic. Yeah, that's bad. The other one was inauthentic authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> see, you wanted a segue, people? Here you go. Uh, so, okay, so Instagram wants influencers to love it again and is putting $1 billion where its mouth is. Instagram is one of those platforms. It's really interesting because it is so influencer driven. And when a lot of my clients come to me or prospective clients come to me saying they want an influencer campaign, it's mostly always focused on Instagram. And it's really interesting because YouTube has always traditionally been a rewarding platform for influencers more so than Instagram. I think obviously YouTubers are a little bit more sophisticated than Instagrammers because YouTube involves a lot more. There's a whole content matrix you have to put together. But if you get your million views or your 4 million followers or whatever, you get like awards, you get a little plaque, you get like, there's ways of earning back. You can monetize your subscribers. There's, there's stuff. Instagram isn't up crap. These people are building these businesses like the wild, wild west. I mean, if anyone out there that's listening to the sound of my voice right now has done an influencer marketing campaign, you know, it's like ridiculous. It's a lot of work. It's rewarding if you can do it the right way. But everyone's kind of just like, 
they've never run a business before. Now they're running a business. And it's kind of like, uh, this is how much we're going to charge for things. So, and then the return sometimes is a little bit disappointing. But what about these people that are influencers that are building their business off of that on Instagram? And then they have technical problems. They can't tag something. They can't do location tagging for some reason. Their account is blocked because they were posting on vacation and it was from a foreign location or the support is like non-existent on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What they're going to do now is they're going to invest money to give some support and to offer some more incentives. They're going to start awards for high-performing content, all of that thing. Now, my question is this, is this too little, too late for Instagram? don't know this space as well as you, but my gut is it's probably somewhere in between. It's probably a little bit too late, but it's still going to stop some hemorrhaging. Yeah, because this happens with all of the very popular platforms. And this is something that is a pain point that's not easily forgotten by the people that are getting wronged by it. So when something new comes along, those people are the first ones that want to be early adopters in that new technology. So this is a good move for Instagram. I think it's a little bit slow because they've left themselves vulnerable for growth and kind of how this platform's evolving. Yeah. And then throwing in the ties to Facebook um, and kind of trying to make that land as a concept, trying to create more connectivity between the two platforms, I think dates it a little bit as well. So I'm afraid of that too. Yeah, I'm more I'm more afraid about the Facebook takeover than I am anything else. But it's hard because I don't think the shit will flow upstream. You know what I mean? I think Facebook's always going to be in where Facebook is. I think it's done in terms of the evolving. It might have another resurgence or throwback, but I think Instagram's going to move through to video really try to monetize elements of TikTok that made TikTok really popular mm -hmm. and really try to invest in pushing people to create video content, which is different. Facebook would never be that really mm -hmm. because of the audience that's really keeping it down. But what happens when those people age out? That's true. So that would be when I could see something happening there. But it'd be like MySpace coming back. Nah, no, because I think MySpace was not as used as Facebook was. Okay. There was like one category and one age range that mm -hmm. really used it big style. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Top five songs right here on my profile. <laughs> I, you know what the best part was? I couldn't even name one song that I had on my profile on MySpace. Could you? I don't think so. So long ago. It was. What I would have even been listening to. Wait, is it still active? Can we still find our MySpaces? I don't know if you can still find them anymore, but they've changed MySpace into like a music platform. Oh, okay. So probably so, not. Yeah, they're they're probably just keeping all the stuff Maybe in this. Maybe on the like... way way back machine. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, MySpace I, I... circa what would it be like? Nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight. I would say. 99 to 2002 2003 okay. maybe even because facebook wasn't something that's been i mean it was concurrent for a little bit before it overtook it right when i was in england it was it was only open to schools because i was working for a music school at the time and we were able to use facebook when it was just out really mm -hmm. what were you yeah. doing for the music school it was kind of right before i moved back to the states and it was a contemporary music college 
And I worked as the um, head of marketing and sales. And like I would arrange photo shoots for music magazines and guitar oh, magazines and all that cool. kind of stuff. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun for a bit, but the boss was a jerk. So I see. As it is. But and then I'm a jerk. So like jerk on jerk, it was it didn't work. We rubbed each other away. <laughs> oh, so many double entendres. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely, <laughs> it's definitely a jerk off. Um, <laughs> But that's pretty much it for the breaking news. We've done cash or trash. We've done point and counterpoint. Um, oh, do you want to talk about business trends? And you were talking about. Oh, yeah. I think we were going to talk about. Are you ready for is this? suspense is killing you. So we were going to talk about how people are shifting what they're doing with career moves following everything kind of coming back online post pandemic. So some things that I've seen are. People that were previously happy freelancing, deciding that they want to go full-time because they miss the social human connection, especially if they're in a big city and they've been working out of a shoebox in New York City or something like that. Yeah. And in some cases, I know like their friends have moved away because of the pandemic. Mm. And so now they feel like going to a new job in person might be a way of meeting some new people and making some new friends that I completely understand. And I've seen that a few times. I think in other cases, people have decided that, especially I've discovered older people that have other commitments and have enough space now to work in are like, I'm never going back to an office. (laughs) So they're sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, okay, I had to freelance for a while because of the pandemic, but now you know, God help me, I'm never going to go back to work full-time in an office. And I think that that right there is what I feel like the true trend is. I feel that people are more in touch with what turns them on. You know, what makes, not turns them on like sexually, but turns them on like gets them ignited, gets the passion flowing. And I think that now they're able to understand how to tap into that best based on having that quiet time and also forced quiet time. I mean, I would say that I really benefit from that time because I was able to restructure my business, but also I was able to raise a new puppy like I would never would have been able to do normally. I would have been so focused on work and go, go, go and clients that I would have constantly left the dog at home with my husband. And so I would have not been there for all of that. And I was able to be there through all of that and be present while I'm also doing that. And then it was like, wow, what am I doing? I can do both of this. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that with parents with young children and new children. I mean, one of our new staff members just had a baby and can be with the baby while working full time. It's a game changer. It is a game changer, especially for women. For For men too. A lot just miss the bonding time because their businesses are archaic and don't have the paternity option. But see, and I've talked to people, I think the overriding thing that I'm kind of sensing with people is that everyone's looking for a balance that works for them. And I find that the balance is that it's like once or twice a week, they'd like to do something in a group or like something that maybe office, but maybe just out of their homes. Yeah. And then the rest of the time, they're cool. They just need a little bit of a juxtaposition just every week to kind of make them feel alive and make them feel connected Mm -hmm. to humans. I mean, it's a roller coaster, but it's interesting to see that people still want to. I mean, my employees want to get back, my team want to get back into the office because it's electric when we're together. But then Mm -hmm. when we want to work on stuff, leave me alone, you know? 
So I like that we're all kind of understanding what works best for us now. It's become more of a self-care type thing. Not it right. doesn't it doesn't seem selfish, I guess I want to say. Right. It's more what works best for you. And your pad. Your what? Your pod. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's all for that one, I think. So our closing. Bye. <laughs> That's where we're going to end it. Or we could say thanks for joining us for another episode of Hype Busters. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Hype Busters! (laughs) And thank you to Justin for a great interview. Yes, thank you, Justin. Have questions about the news companies and conversations from the show this week? You'll find our contact details in the show notes below. And our DMs are always open for news companies and suggestions that you want to hear about next. So if you're looking for a chance to put your brand in the hot seat or someone else's, we want to hear from you. All right, folks. So see you next time with more real talk on strategic communications with me, Tompkins Christopher, and her, Margulies April. Me, April. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>